The Old Gold Club with Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. Hello there and welcome to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. He's Chris Awelamo. Chris Rocky Awelamo. Chris Apollo Creed Awelamo. Uh, for those of you regular listeners will know that Looms was doing a charity boxing night and you won. I did. I did. I've got to say that uh, I enjoyed the sparring, the training, uh, a lot more than the actual fight itself. I think the even the day building up to the fight... I was nervous, you know, it was definitely completely out of my comfort zone, going toe-to-toe with some 16-and-a-half stone guy called Kieran the Tank Thomas, wanting to put me on my backside. I guess I was I was right, rightfully to, uh, obviously it was a right to be nervous as well, you know, but uh, I just got told to do what they've taught me, uh, use the jab, let the big one go when you can. And you did and you won. Yeah. Inside the first round, one minute twenty-seven seconds, I think it was. It's interesting you say that um, that you know you, you you enjoyed the training more than the actual fight because you know you're a lover, not a fighter. That's very uh, true. Another man who <laughs> fits that bill is chuckling in the background, Mr. Andy Thompson. Hello, Tomo. Welcome. It's a bit weird that I see you in this circumstance when I see you every weekend. I'm usually near enough sitting on your lap, mate. So yeah. uh, yes. At some grounds we are. So when when I was told to be quiet and and probably not as a polite way, uh, me and Tomo were actually having a conversation because uh, I was talking about the nerves building up to the fight uh, and I was saying about probably towards the end of my career I never really kind of got nervous for games and I said to you like I know what you mean what you say as soon as the whistle goes you're in you know what the job that you've yeah. got to do so the build up to games like what what was it that you done was there anything like funny or no it was just uh, similar to what you just said to me about um, you have just kind of those habits where you're getting ready what you put on first what you uh, put on last when you go um, when you're walking out just making sure that you've got everything that you normally have, yeah, uh, and just, it's, you just go through a normal ritual. When Did you, you say what you put on first and what you put on last? Like, surely the boots go on last, isn't that the obvious I, thing? But not looking at well, boots aren't going to go on I, first. I know, are a, they? I know, yeah, player. but I'm talking about shin pads and yeah. your tie ups and stuff like that. Tommy doesn't does that, understand. Don't know, even don't bite. He's, he's got. He's, ah, he's trying to hook you <laughs> on just now. Don't bite because you got. Well, you got to put your pants on before your shorts. Surely this is obvious. Not what? if you got inliners in the, the shorts. They've already got the, some of them. So you don't wear pants. Some t- depends. Depends. So there the was a lot of games where you weren't wearing pants. Well, some is of this sh- a revelation? No. Some around. of the shorts. You know you're getting a bit excited, mate. I, I can know, actually yeah. see. I can Stop see. Rubbing your thighs. I can see. I don't know if you're blushing because it's like. Well, we were talking with Mo Kamara the other week about he wanted to play in the eighties with the really short shorts. Yeah, it was good time. Tomo did play in the 80s yeah, with the really short shorts. still long on me though, mate. <laughs> but no, I, knew, I knew players that would put on a sock, the football sock, the boot, with other foot completely, and then that was just little yeah. little things that that was how they did That's it. weird. What about pre-match? What, what was your, did you have a funny pre-match or anything No, like so he was just um, chicken and beans. I remember when I first started out, when I was at um, West Brom, we used to have steak and chips. That was what you was having for your pre-match meal. Right. So like that was when you first Steak started. Steak and chips at Albion, chicken and beans <laughs> yeah. at Wolves. But it's like, it changed, or an omelette or something like that. It depends. I wasn't uh, one of these who had the same every week, but something very similar yeah. um, I had every week. It's funny that, because sports science now, it takes about 13 hours to break down a steak. I think it's something like that. So when you eat, even when you eat pasta the night before, that's what gives the body. So what you eat on the day doesn't really matter no. for the game, but it's... Psychological, people, isn't it? It is. It's psychological. It's, it's bizarre. It's like, I remember when... Uh, Zola came in at Watford they stopped his drinking milk 
because it takes six hours for the the body to to digest milk. If you actually read what's in milk, the body the human body shouldn't be be having milk anyway. As soon as I read it, I've I went black. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's crazy. So it's just little things at sports yeah. science about how because it is the body's a machine, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it started to come in a lot more um, as I was coming towards the end of my career uh, with everything that there's talking about your nutritionist, what you had, where you had your food and selection, and the, or you could eat this. I know it's absolutely massive now yeah um but yeah so it, it, it was very similar things where it, you could see the change from them from just saying about steak and chips then it's gone through chicken or an omelette uh, some toast some beans but um it definitely changed towards that more fruit as well yeah, uh, yeah. and then half time snacks uh sweets jellies and things like that. so it, it did change where before it was just a, a cup of tea or if you had the, the manager ran through it over by that stage because <laughs> i had a couple of them as well but um but yeah, so it did change as, the, as it went through. Because the... would you boys eat a lot before a game? Because, you know, look, we've played five a side. I'm looking at Yanni in the back of the room who's doing the sound. And if I if I had a meal before attempting to go and play football, I'd be feeling it on the pitch. It's a three-hour thing before it, though, isn't yeah. it? So usually around about midday before a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah. So usually you give yourself enough time. And, and it's... It's to make sure that you don't have something heavy as well. That's the biggest thing. So if you're going to have something that's going to absolutely blow it, you're not. Because I wouldn't eat much. I'd have a small portion of what I was having, but I wouldn't you're have a little fellow anyway. Oh, that's it then. But you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a, a great amount anyway. That was probably your problem then, mate. You're eating too much. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's it was. Or yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't working hard enough for the game time. That's what it was. I, 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 I couldn't be, be bothered to play after that. such a big meal. I'd have had a steak and chips. No, but it's, it's, it's a strange run. I remember I went to Germany and it's like pre-match, very similar, the chickens, the meats, the pastas and things. And then all of a sudden, everyone sat down, the tea came in and then the cake trolley got brought in. Thing, what's going oh. on here? This is, oh, look, he got his uh, this, attention no, this, now. This is, this, is, this is like three hours before. Yeah. Boys were getting the cake out and that. And obviously it was all relaxed. I remember after the game, you'd come in, the beer trolley would get brought into the dressing room, put over, I mean, what's, what's going on with this? I'm not even a beer man, but I became a beer man. It was yeah, there. I don't even drink beer. I'm sitting there laughing. Yeah, why, why the hell not? You know what I mean? Crazy. Well, this is the thing, right? Because um, food at the professional level now, especially after a game, there's so much that kind of goes into the dressing room. And um, a few years ago, uh, our dear old friend, Sally Departed Foz, um, me and Foz used to go into the dressing room after the game, after all the players had cleared off. Tomo had long gone from doing commentary with us. And we'd go and see what food was left over, and then we'd message the rest of the boys to say what was in there. And kind of back in the day, a couple of years ago, you know, under Kenny Jackett and then under Paul Lambert and stuff, it was all like there'd be a massive tray of lasagna, and there'd be like wedges and chicken goujons, and they're like barbecue sauce everywhere and like the lads will have just destroyed all those wedges and it's all gone um since nuno and that came in that food is so much healthier i've stopped going in now <laughs> don't like it well there was a period when danny bart was there and obviously danny bart um turned vegan so a lot of the food options kind of became vegan friendly or pescatarian and all this kind of stuff and i was eating things not knowing that there was no meat in it i just thought it was a burger I mean, I liked it until so I, I realised it wasn't me. Yeah, but did, how did it taste? Uh, all right. So, uh, just all right? And you still ate it then? I ate it, yeah, because it was there and it was free. Yeah, but also as well, he didn't know what was in it. I yeah, bet, he, I bet his mind changed. and think it's all right. <laughs> what do you that's, mean you can't eat well, food not... and think it's all right? What, what do you do when you eat food? You eat food I enjoy and... it. 
And I, I think, hmm, I'm going to really enjoy what, this Everything food. you eat, you enjoy? I try. Really, really, I don't think, I don't think, right, you know what? I'm in a rush today, so I'm going to eat this and not enjoy it. I'll, 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 I'll plan it so that I'm going to enjoy what I put into my body. I don't just chew things on. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I but mean, sometimes you're what, just what hungry. Do you, do you, just, do you just chew it and then spit it out? No. Or do you actually swallow it? But it's not like it's bang average, so I'm, I don't quite get where you're going with this. What do you mean you don't get where I'm going with this? <laughs> so you sometimes, just, sometimes you are hungry and you eat, eat something that you've never eat eaten before. For example, like the, the vegan like friendly vegan food burger that thing. you thought was meat. But yeah, you, I thought it was a normal burger. It didn't taste of anything, but you still ate it. You well, actually it thought, it's not I'm that it didn't taste I'm of anything. I'm going to carry on going and eating this, but it tastes of nothing, and then, oh, it's, it's I don't want to waste food loops. I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put it back. Well, I'm having this chat with my, my my middle daughter at the minute. She doesn't need to finish everything that's put in front of her. And this is what I say to her. I say, she has an issue. She honestly, it's a, it's a complex that she needs. She's, and I, are you full? Yeah. Well, you don't need to eat any more then. I say, like, I'll put that in the bin. But it's like, oh, but the same thing. Oh, I don't want to waste food, Dad. You can't eat it. I don't know if I'm, I'm being a bit harsh here. That's me being a parent and saying, look, sweetheart, if you don't need to finish everything. If you're full, you say, right, I've had enough. And if she's not enjoying it, don't eat it at all. Oh, yeah, if you're not enjoying it. But, like, this was the first well, time. Tommy, back got, me up on this. You never, got, I'll just, I'll just, you never got too excited about it. And when Danny Park became a vegan. Yeah, I used to... Because I used to love potato wedges and chicken goujons after a game with a, with a little bit of barbecue. <laughs> Did, you have a moan? Did you have a moan? I, I didn't moan. There was one time when, um, when Nuno came in and caught us and, <laughs> uh, and just kind of chuckled and... That was it. Then it was like, right, we need to we need to pay more respect to when we go into the dressing room here. Like all the players, you may gone. be more discreet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not just attack it before it goes in? Or Why take it somewhere else? Because I tell you, right, I'll tell you this. Under Paul Lambert, um, we used to sometimes, and I'm going to drop someone else in it here as well because he's just come back in the room. Josh, who was part of our media team, he's that does just it with us. Everyone doing exactly, yeah. He's, he's just naming in the names. Room. He doesn't even know what we're talking about, but he's getting thrown under the bus alongside me here. We used to get when Paul Lambert was manager. Um, he and not everyone would his coaching staff would leave, and we'd then go like hunting for food. And in the in the manager's <laughs> office, food. in the manager's office was like the greatest desserts that you will that like. I've never had as good a cheesecake, even at this football club. And I've had a lot of desserts, as Tom will tell you, at this football <laughs> club. Never had as good a cheesecake as the one that me and Josh stole from Paul Lambert's office. What's going on, Josh? You can come in, mate. I don't. What's what's. We, you Look at his face. You he knows it's true. Food, he knows it's stop. true. He's not going to deny it. If you had this cheesecake, you do the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> you're hunting for dessert, then I don't. But not just food in general, or were you in no, the, food in general. A specific uh, food type was it? Yeah, just food. This is what we used to do. Yeah, before we became a lot more professional on a match day. I mean, he's working till like two in the morning. These lads. So he's got in the morning. He's got a reason. Yeah, he's got an excuse. I leave straight away after I've had the food. But these lads, like, they're working late. They need to get on with it. Well, to be fair, you, there'll still be traffic build up around the stadium. You might as well use that time wisely. Not the time that we're going in there. But <laughs> but thanks for trying to give us an easy hour. Um, this is one of the most random starts to a podcast I think we've had in a long while. We've got some uh, some random questions, actually, just before we get into it properly. Uh, you can keep sending us these at Wolves across social media, oldgoldclubatwolves.co.uk. Some of them... Um, uh, are kind of football related and then there's some completely random ones 
Looms, do you want a random one or a football one to start off with? Again, today? whatever I choose, you'll choose the opposite. So happy with anything you want. Okay, well, this one, this one's a nice one, and Tomo might be able to help out on this one yeah. as well. Uh, Danny Roseman says, "What did Looms know about the history of Wolves before signing? And when the club showed him round, did they encompass any of the history into the chat?" Uh, well, obviously, I knew the, the size of the Wolves as, as a club, the fan base. I played against Wolves many times. Uh, and it was always I was always told the same thing from different managers. You know, like the fans are passionate. If you get on top of the team, they can they can turn, yeah. and then it's down to the bottle of the players. And that's what I got told every time I played. I remember I came uh, when Mick McCarthy first called me up, uh, and I was on holiday, and he said, "Look, I want you." There was no other place for me. I remember Nottingham Forest came in with a bid. Obviously, Crystal Palace, I had dinner with Neil Warnock. Uh, they offered me more money than Wolves, but I wanted to be here. Uh, when I came round, Mick McCarthy and himself never had to sell the club. But again, you take it upon yourself to go and find out about the history. You go around, you see the stadium in itself, the people, the... Uh, it was something I just wanted to be part of and it was the right time that, that they kind of they, they got promoted in that, that season that I came because it was probably a good job they didn't show you around yeah, I, I don't think Graham would let me out of his office uh, <laughs> when he saw me <laughs> he was definitely not going to show me around after the standard burnt down uh, the other one was closed the North Bank uh, the roof was leaking in this the new stand which is now the Billy Wright so it was um, yeah he didn't really show us around but I'd been here before uh, as a fan as well so I'd uh, seen a few games and been on the safe bank with that as well but uh, yeah there was no way he was going to show me around the ground with the state it was in you could just about see the John Ireland stand from the one <laughs> side of the pitch how far it was away as well so he's, uh, yeah I had none of that but did they like I mean obviously because you've got that local knowledge but did they kind of say to you like you know look this is the football club of Billy Wright and John Richards and whatnot. not so much I, I knew a lot I knew a lot of the the history anyway so like with the, what had gone on I'd say I, I've been down to numerous matches to watch them anyway um, but yeah so you knew about the history with Billy Wright uh, and what went on um, earlier on but he, he was more trying to just sell me what he wanted to do with the club about how he wanted to push it forward um, that he'd changed hands it'd become uh, Dick Armden Jack Harris had put money into the club um, after the previous owners so it was it was more that was selling us what they wanted to do rather than selling the club. Well, they couldn't really sell the club because where it was at the time. So it was it was bottom four of the fourth division uh, and really struggling. There's still there's still a lot of trust. You have to trust Turner yeah. then, don't you? Because because a manager could just be saying it just to get you in the yeah. building and then well, you're there. Course. So so what was you know in that and that that man to man? I think because his man management, he's he's, he's brought. A lot of good players there, but they they were brought to the club because they they believed in him. Yeah, and he and he he said this. He said, "Look, I'm trying to build some here. We've got a couple of Ali Robertson was already here. Um, he said, "Look, I needed f- fresh players into the squad, and he just wanted to make sure that we got going the right way. And me and Bully was the start of it. Um, and so then I'll come later on in yeah. the March. Um, but yeah, he was he was just trying to build the club up and. His ideas, and like I say, it was a massive gamble for me because I'd come from West Brom. Yeah. I say they were in the Championship, just got relegated from the Premiership or the First Division then, that the previous year. So it was a massive step coming from Albion's ground, what was in mint condition, and then coming to this one, what was a struggling club basically. But it was the the idea you'll be playing here, first team football, 
Um, this is what we want to do. We're looking to push up, get forward, and we're going to be recruiting players um, like Keith Downing come in, so uh, Deno come in, and the nucleus of players that I had here already. Yeah. That was what he was building on as well. Well, we'll um, we'll talk more about your arrival yeah. at the football club a little bit later on when we get into the show. Um, uh, let's do this one. Stevie B says, if you were to wear a mask after scoring a goal, what would you wear and why? I think this is related, of course, to Raul Jimenez at Wembley and the big fallout that came from that. Would you have ever done that in a celebration? You know, I'm, I, I, I see them celebrating and I, I know we've, we've spoke about this, <coughs> about certain people's comments after it. Uh, and I, I never, I never took offence to it. I was, I, I was, I was buzzing. You know, I, I, you know, but each player to their own, celebrate it how you want. I celebrated goal because I'm, I'm thinking I need the biggest breather I can get, so I go to the furthest point from the centre circle that I can that I have that <laughs> to recover the corner, the corner point, boom, and I'm in there. Come on in, give me a cuddle, yeah, brilliant, yeah, and then I walk. So, but he's he's been outstanding. You know, I think obviously it's been made a made a permanent now. He's came. It's a different culture, you know, and that's something I think that football's unforgiving. You know, you, you win games, you you can win a certain way, but people will still criticise. You know, certain people have come out and spoke. People that I'm very close to, and I understand their argument, but again, they need to. And I said to you, I says if if you reached out and explained that to a certain someone, they're big enough to say. Right, okay, you know what? I'll I'll take that one on the chin and I'll and I I'll make an apology or whatever it is because football is universal, it's worldwide. I've, I've played in Denmark, I've played in Germany. I know I know I know that people can celebrate and a mask, yeah. If someone gave me a mask, it'd take a lot for me to put it on. No is that because you want everyone to see your face after you've scored the goal? The no, joy. The joy on it. <laughs> not really, but it's I I've never got to you. The, a semi final of the FA Cup, which is on a massive occasion, that's that's at, at Wembley and and the, the the fans are there and the stadiums full. So so it's like I played it. I played I played at the Millennium at playoff finals and it's big occasions and it's it, there's a but I don't I don't know. I've I, I never felt that I was I always believed I wasn't good enough. So I'm not I, I wasn't cocky enough to have a wee mask down the slips. It was always well, do the basics right, do the basics well. If you score a goal. Because well, I, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about this on the program. But um, Tomo was obviously, as you know, as I've been telling you, was absolutely deadly from penalties. Yeah. So, if you know Tomo that you're going to have a penalty in the game, <laughs> like, would you like have a little Batman outfit behind the goal to celebrate? Look, with? Would so you ever if there thought was, about that? No, I never thought about it until you just asked me. But, uh, but um, or Bully could be Batman. You could be Robin. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I get him. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not getting him that. Catwoman. <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> now you're getting onto your own personal things now. I'll, I'll ask you something, Tom. Right. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I was penalty taker for Stoke, Colchester. I even took a couple here. As soon as we got a penalty, I'd put one goal on my goal tally without even. Without even touching the ball, as I'm walking to it, I'm thinking, oh, if I was on nine, oh, I'm into double figures. Without, were you in the same mindset? Or, or I was never, I've never doubted myself. I always thought I would score. I never thought anything different. Yeah. I always thought I'm gonna. It's another, like I say, another goal for me here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's what it was. So like it was just, I got the ball and that was it. I didn't think I have any doubts that I was gonna miss. Yeah. And so like fortunate enough that I didn't miss many. But um, yeah, that was the only. So last I'm getting my name on the score sheet. So would you wear a mask? 
no, I'm going to be on the similar things as Chris there to say, like, I'll, I don't think that I would be confident enough to actually put it on because you're always, I think, putting yourself in the firing line a little bit. Uh, and as, like I say, and I know it's been criticised a little bit by a few people, but uh, what Jimenez did, but I don't see there's anything wrong with it. He's got a reason why he's done it. And he says he's explained that what it is. So, yeah. look, if you want to do that, you can do that. Okay. Um, we've got some completely random questions in that have come in. Um, Lee Hasdall says, uh, when you make a sandwich, Looms, mm-hmm. do you butter both slices of the bread or just one? Because I know people that just butter one slice, says Lee. No, both. If you butter one, what's the point? What's going on? Oh, I, I completely agree. Talk to me. If you butter both and you butter it to the corners uh, as well. Who out there is only buttering one slice of the bread? Someone that's... Both or none. It's maybe saving... I was going to say, it must, must be a student make, or something. Make, making it, it last. Saving it, Making yeah. it last. But I'm just saying, and like, can I ask you something? And see when you butter. And it's, it's a, oh, well, I don't butter. Oh? I don't. I don't have butter. You don't, I don't have butter. Never. Or, I, I have some margarine on toast. All right. But I don't, uh, right, I don't butter bread. Right, I don't so butter when sandwiches. You're, when you're messing about with your margarine then, mate, okay? <laughs> let's put it Do you take it right to the corners? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. no. Don't, don't just say yeah and answer me like... Can, like, like well, why would you not? Off. Like, but do you cover every bit of it? Yeah. So why there's would not you any not? dry bit. Yeah, there's just some people that are messy. Like, I'm, I was watching, my, again, my oldest daughter the other day, and I was watching her butter something, right? And I thought... Are you happy? Are you happy with that? <laughs> He's no, been I, graded. I said, I says, I says, I says, because if you were buttering me a sandwich, I'm, I'm not, I'm not accepting that. <laughs> and, I said, and she's, oh, dad, dad, just leave me alone. I'm, I'm going, no, no, you're going to eat that. Now, when I make you breakfast and sausage sandwiches and such and such in the morning, I butter. So basically, I'll, I'll cook, I'll put the bacon in, I'll put the sausages in, right, boom, boom, and then I'll butter the bread as it's all getting made. So I'm doing it all at the same time, and I make sure, boom, everything is buttered. Both slices, corners, bump, right, everything. All right. What like an even thickness? I, I will try my best. I look at it and I think. You get right, a set square yeah, out. I've got this. time. I've got time. I've got the sausages <laughs> and bacon cooking. You like? You think I'm joking here? I've been completely serious. I'm looking at. I'm looking at four pe- people just laughing their heads off. I'm being completely serious. So I was disappointed in her, and I told her I was disappointed in her. And she needs to. She needs to up her, her uh, spreading game. But I'm just asking you. So when you mess about with margarine, you spread to both co- yeah, yeah. All corners. Well, I, I don't th- believe you. No, I, no, I, 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 no. I'll I tell you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I have a thing with toast, whereby I have You've to put it. Bread and some margarine. I have to watch you spread. I have to put it on as soon as like the toast comes out of the toaster, 100%. so it's hot enough Again, yeah. that the margarine melts like kind of into it. And then it, what yeah. do you do then? Then the other ones you bring out, you you butter it and then you put them on top of each other so they melt each other and then you do it again the other side. That's the way it's, it's got to be done. It's got to be melted, hasn't it? Tommy, have you ever wondered like why you agreed to come in and do this? <laughs> it's fascinating, I tell you, <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> I'm learning new things every day about buttering. And... Hey, have you ever made uh, a sausage or bacon sandwich for a teammate? Have I ever? I've just got visions of you and Bully maybe in the morning. No. Like Morecambe and Wise making breakfast. No, he's, he's, he's a fussy eater anyway, Bully. So, like, he pulls the crusts off the bread. He probably cut the ends off the sausage. He's, he's oh, I, know, ve- I know he's, a few people. He's yeah. very fussy like that. So he's Cut the end off the sausage? Yeah, yeah for whatever reason. The, he's, he's, he does he, that. I don't get it. Yeah. God. I was going to say, he picks, he, pick, he picks his food. So, like, he's always picking something off it. Oh, he don't want that bit. And then leave it to the side. He's, he's, yeah, so he's a, he's a, he's a strange eater. 
This is the most random podcast that we've done so far. Uh, this is like we're getting close to 30 episodes and we've barely mentioned Wolves on this one at all. Um, this is the Old Gold Club uh, with me, Mikey Burrows, Chris Wellamo, and Andy Thompson. Don't forget, of course, that we are going to be doing this live. If you, if you want to listen to this, if you want to actually see it rather than just listen to it, we're doing it live at the Grand Theatre Friday the 7th of June. Tickets are available now, very competitively priced, start at just 10 pounds per person um you can get them from grandtheatre.co.uk more details on that coming up very shortly um please 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 come along we're going to be announcing guests and all the sorts of things in the next couple of weeks there is loads more to come from andy thompson we are going to be talking about you being an absolute penalty king we are going to be talking about the sherpa van which has come up a couple of times and is such a popular thing to talk about and the rise through from 11 years at this football club and many more sat alongside me in the press box as well so yes the moustache will be getting referenced (laughs) this is all gold club the old gold club is going live for one night only at the wolverhampton grand theater join us on friday june 7th for a summer spectacular with a host of special guests and big surprises get your tickets grandtheater.co.uk Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Wellamo. And our guest this week spent 11 years at Molyneux between 1986 and 1997, making 451 appearances, putting him 11th on the all-time list. He also scored 45 goals. How he did that, I'll never know. <laughs> he loves the club so much, he's even willing to sit next to me, home and that's away. The reason, that's the only reason I do it, mate. <laughs> Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Andy Thompson. After um, I, I, it's been. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get you to come onto this. Um, you fed up with me from the weekend. Well, that is was, probably true. Uh, yeah. More likely, you're fed up of sitting <laughs> next to me because um, it is the thing. Because Looms has done a bit of commentary, and you've come back and worked with the pair of us at games and stuff. Like the thing that always strikes me, the thing that people always talk to me about, Tomo, is the fact that your love for this football club always comes across. Just in the way you watch I'm never the games. biased, mate. Never biased. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, so I had 11 great years here, but so it was beforehand. I was a Wolves fan before I come here, um, and to come and play. And I, I, that was one of the big attractions when I first come was coming to play for your, your home club. Um, and look, so it was a big gamble at the time because of where the Wolves was uh, and where West Brom were. But look, it's all paid off, and, and you just get a feeling about something. Uh, and I thought it was the right decision for me to come here and it turned out the way it did Are you a bigger fan for having played for the club than you were beforehand or does it change the way you view it? Uh, a little bit so it gives you a, more of a insight into everything that's going on uh, with the club and the, and the run of the club about from the outside when you see things that happen you, you'll kind of understand the reason why they happen because you've been involved in it um, but yeah it it was great to come here. So, like, um, we met Bully at the same day, and and look, say, I had eleven years here, and it was absolutely great. So, like, and it went on from there. I've got to ask you. You said there uh, about it being a massive gamble, which it was. You know, nineteen years old, twenty nine appearances, one goal for West Brom straight away. So you're you're involved. You're, you're, they've got they've got an eye on you, thinking, you know what, this there's potential here. This guy can go on and make a, a great career. Did that play a part then, being a fan? 
Yeah, of course it did. So look, and again, it's a big problem because all, all my friends are Wolves fans. Yeah. So I was uh, putting myself in the firing line if things didn't work out. Yeah. Which they didn't to start off with. So like it was, um, I think we lost the first three games, three nil, three nil, three nil. So it was uh, one a great start. But yeah, it, it was always going to be a gamble coming to it for personal reasons because a lot of my friends, so as I said, were Wolves fans. So coming here and putting yourself in the firing line. Uh, club was struggling at the bottom, the uh, fourth division at the time. But yeah, I was I was surprised that I actually come because um, I was playing in West Brom's first team at the time, mm-hmm. and I was surprised, as you said, there I made twenty nine appearances there. So I was surprised that I actually was told one morning a club's coming for you. It's Wolves. Uh, I want you to go and talk to them, which was Ron Saunders, uh, and then that's what happened. So look, and then I would just come down here, me and Bully just talking in the car, and then it was just a case of. What did I want to do? Because I still had another year left at West Brom, um, but it was just uh, I ju- it just felt the right decision for me. And it was <clears throat> it was the rebuild, you know. Graham Turner he had ideas, he had plans. Obviously, he he was quite infectious as a, as a guy. How how important was he for you and Bully when you when you came in? Well, it, it, was, it was very important because uh, he, he, I said earlier on, so look, he actually sold the club to us. Uh, yeah. What he wanted to do, where he wanted to go. Um, and as I said earlier, so it was a, it was a big gamble because where he was, uh, finances weren't great at the club, but he wanted to push the club on, onward and upward, and that's what happened. And the first year we become very close. We lost to Aldershot in the playoffs, um, and then after that it just went from strength to strength. Because um, mm-hmm. even Bully got stick when he first came to the club because he wasn't scoring, and they brought a player in, especially from the rivals West Brom. Um, and he had to he had to clip, but then sooner or later he started scoring goals, uh, and everything changed. And look, and we had Muchi as well. So like I know, Steve kind of overshadowed Muchi uh, when he came to the club with all the mental goals with it. But Muchi did a big part to that as well. Mm-hmm. See, this is the interesting thing that I think people maybe forget because of what Bully went on to achieve goals wise. That actually, when the kind of the pair of you came, like you were the the main man of the pair really because you were the one who'd actually been playing for Albion and yeah. been getting the game time kind of do you feel ever feel that that kind of people forget that 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 I was well, well I was the first, well how it happened so I went in in the morning and they just said to me well, well the manager wants to talk to you the club's coming for you go and talk to them um, and as I've gone down to the ground to see, to see the manager who walked to the corridor he went We've agreed a fee, go and talk to him and carried on walking. That was all the talk I had with Ron Saunders. Um, and then just before I went, because I didn't drive at the time, and they went, um, are you going to have to hang on because somebody else is going with you? Uh, and it ended up being bully. Uh, and it, luckily for me, he had a car. So, <laughs> so it was... Uh, but yeah, it, it, I was I was the first one that was coming out of it and then bullies basically got put him with me so it was a, a double deal how, how was that though you know like obviously you've, you've made 29 appearances you're thinking you know what I'm, I'm doing alright 19 yeah. years old I've got a goal the manager it's, there's, there's, there's no respect there is there really well, I've, made a, 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 I've made a deal with a club uh, go talk to them yeah. and he carries on walking not even it was a number of things there so look uh, it was the way that he, he didn't like because he didn't care because yeah. I was only a young pro at the time I'd just yeah. gone 19 um, and not to have a, a conversation and give me the reason why I was leaving, and so I can because I thought I'm in the side. I'm playing first team football for West Bromwich Albion. Uh, I'd played in the the Premiership or the First Division the year before, um, 
and I made my debut Liverpool away. So look, I thought, well, everything's going well here. Yeah. And then to be told that was a total shock. Um, and that kind of played on my mind a little bit as well about the reason why I thought, well, if Wolves are going to give me an opportunity, I'm going to come here. So give you a certain drive as yeah, well? Yeah, it did, yeah. So Because like, it was always going to be that you've got to prove yourself at an early age. Yeah. I think when you've signed pro, while we made it, it wasn't a case like that for me. I thought that it was always going to be that you've got to keep proving yourself time and time again. Uh, and there was an opportunity to come here and play first-team football regular. Uh, that's what Graham offered me as well. Uh, and that was the thing, that was the driving force behind it, being released by them, who I thought, because I've been there for six years from... Schoolboy, apprentice, yeah. and then pro, and then to say the way it was done, that we've agreed a fee, go and talk to him, and, and basically just cast off at the time. So I'll ask you then, because you said okay, that first season it was a, it was a an interesting one, got very close but fell short. Yeah. When did that that group of players believe? We're onto something here because he brought in some hungry players, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And there was a, there was a good nucleus of players here before we come. So like, uh, had Mickey Holmes who was here, Ali who had great experience, Floyd, yeah, uh, Floyd Street. So we had some good. And Muchy was here as well. Uh, so there was a good some good players here, but he wanted to put certain players in the squad to try and drive them forward as well, and it worked. So we Graham uh, thought about what was here, what he needed, brought people in. And it was near enough incident to say, apart from the first three games, I don't think we lost another game then until we lost to Southend away, uh, where, where it was one who went automatically up and we lost 1-0. Uh, and then we went into the playoffs and lost to Walsh. Maybe it was a good thing in hindsight. But, yeah, you knew straight away, things just seemed to click. Say, the yeah. partnerships all over the pitch. Um, Ali and Floyd, say, uh, Mickey Holmes... We had uh, Keith Downing coming in as well, so there was a couple players in there. Then Bully and Muchy, that was the thing. If, you, if you're going to score that amount of goals, it's going to help any team. Yeah, of course it is. It is, yes, and that was the big thing. Because um, Ali Robertson, when he came in, talked about the fact that he didn't really agree with the style of play at first. And Graham Turner had kind of said to him, just trust me, like this is the way to get out of this division. Kind of knock it into the corners, get crosses in, and you've got those two who were going to get on the end yeah. of things. Well, if you've got... And the two of them did. So, uh, Muchy was the one who was basically the playmaker we bully who set a lot of things up for him, even though he scored a lot of goals as well, Muchy. Um, but we had somebody up front who would absolutely run through brick walls and and knew where the goal, net was. So, look, he scored quite a few goals for West Brom in his appearance. I think in the, he played in the reserves and he scored an absolute tonneload of goals in that for West Brom. So, he... Graham saw something that he had a hunger, he had a desire, he wanted to prove himself. And that was the one thing that we had, that hunger throughout the team. What did they say about your role, though? Because you, you're in this kind of weird position whereby if someone said, like, where does Andy Thompson play? A lot of people would say, well, maybe, like, full-back. But then there were tons of games where you played right side of midfield, left yeah. side of midfield, all over the place. Well, I started off... Um, playing up front because I was pretty quick uh, and I could I, as a kid I could score a lot of goals in the kids team so I played up front when I, went, when I first went to West Brom I was a, a central striker so then I started to play on the wing so I was uh, the flying winger so as you could say but I started to play on the wing so like um, for West Brom and then I had a couple of games in central midfield my debut was central midfield 
uh, against Liverpool. So, and I was a fit boy then, yeah. and I was chasing Jan Molby, uh, Steve McMahon. I couldn't get nowhere near them, and I, and, and I know there was all said, "Oh, he just stays there, he don't move much." Okay, fine, but I couldn't get nowhere near it. But like it was a, it was a case. So that's how. I, so basically, I played all across the midfield area uh, towards the end of when I was at West Brom. Saying towards the end, I was only nineteen, but like um, that's where I started off, and then I come to Wolves as a central midfield player. So I was playing central mid, and then for whatever reason, somebody got injured, and they said, um, "Would you fill in at fullback for us?" And I started playing fullback, and then move around. Then we played wing back. So then I ended up playing wing again. Then I played up front. So like. Most of the positions, well, all the positions I'd played sooner or later by the time I'd, I'd finished, but it was more fallback towards yeah. the end. Can I ask you then about those playing those positions? Was that something that you were you were comfortable or you're happy about? I know players that, and I, I, I look at it as a bit of a negative sometimes, that yeah. players that can play so many because a manager will think, all right, yeah, we can use them. But if you kneel down one position, that's your position. When that's free and you're available, yeah, yeah. but... Moving all around the place, yeah. players. Some players don't want that. No. But you, you were te- you were technically able to do it. You were fit enough to do it. You read the game well. The manager had confidence that he could put you anywhere on the pitch and you do your job. So, but sometimes you're sitting there saying, "I don't want to be. I don't want to be fullback. Yeah. I don't want to be winger. I want to be a centre midfield. That I'm the main man." And, and do- I think initially, so like I was thinking, well, I wanted to be one position. Yeah. But the way that the club was going and the way that we was getting uh, the victories and the way that we was winning games. I was in the stage where I thought, well, if I'm playing, that's the main thing for me. I was just playing and I don't mind doing it. When it came towards the end, when I was at Wolves, then I started to think I want to be playing fullback. And that's how it ended up right. in the end, where I did play fullback the majority of the times. Um, but yeah, I know what you're saying about like uh, playing different positions. It's not establishing yourself in a, in yeah. a certain role. But um, I didn't mind. I'd, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play football. Uh, and if it was somebody who was injured, unfortunately, and I was fitting into there, then I didn't mind doing that. But the majority of the times, I did end up playing fullback for Wolves. But I didn't mind as long as I was. Uh, so, would you describe yourself as a fullback? If someone said, yes. "What position did you play?" Yeah, because that's where the majority of the games I played was a fullback um, for Wolves. So, like, because um, again, I come as a, a midfielder. I come as a central midfielder to start off with, but for one reason or another, I ended up playing at fullback. Because it, it's the the thing of when you watch kind of some of the the goals and some of the matches from that time. I mean, there, there is footage around looms. You wouldn't believe it. It's amazing. Oh, is it all the crackling? On yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's, uh, is that I, the one? I told you it's black and white <laughs> pathé film. Um, but like, because you're wearing number three, but you're very rarely actually in the left back position yeah. on most of the attacks at that time. Well, that was the time when it was it wasn't names on the shirts, though, wasn't it? First of all. Um, so and and I'd played number three the majority of the times you could save for Wolves, so I think it was just like say you got nine with Bully, say Muchy was always ten, so like you, you start to get a a shirt that you usually basically wear. So that not was, just that you wouldn't stick to a position. No, played where you want. <laughs> played where I want. Yeah. Would you say Turner was ahead ahead of his time as as a manager with his way of thinking about the game, or did you did he bring a a collective of players that? that he had trust in to manage the game how they felt they needed to do it. You know, Ali Robertson, obviously, skippering, he'd, he'd be bossing and talking yeah. all the time. 
was great because like, even now I think today players are like robots now yeah. a manager will say something they go out and do it even if it's not working in the game they carry on doing it there's no there's no those leaders that can go and dictate and say right this is this this is this but you took it upon yourself to, to affect the match in, yeah. in, in a positive way every opportunity you could he did definitely trust uh, the players that he put on there he put out a team that he thought could win games and, and to start off with that's what happens well for two seasons we did um, he believed that he had the people he brought in. He had a belief that they could win him games. Now, we had the strike power. Uh, we had defending. Like you say, you mentioned about Ali and Floyd. They were absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Um, and, and he believed that he brought in the characters that he wanted to run his team. Now, we knew how we wanted to play. We knew how to be successful playing. If we played a certain way, and I'm not, I know it's saying, oh, direct or long ball game, we were quite direct because we had the firepower up there to hurt everybody. Winning football. Yeah, winning games. That's what you're after. So, But we had to be doing something right because of the amount of goals that the two lads did. So it wasn't just a hoof up the field. Yeah. It was a, a long pass or a good pass to them. Uh, and that w- continued. And say so you brought Paul Cook in a few years later, who Bully actually thrived on. And again, you're playing direct football, but you play to your strengths. And that's what it's all about, making sure. And he believed that we had enough on the pitch to win games with the people that he brought in. And, the, and the, again, the people who were here as well. Can we talk about the penalties thing? I mean, we briefly mentioned it on the podcast, but you were unbelievable at penalties. And the thing I was talking to Looms about earlier is, like, I don't understand why you were on penalties in the first place. Like, surely a striker, and strikers in form like Bully and Much were... They'd have been like, no, no, we're taking this. You had to think about it. Uh, that was the problem. What they had. So. <laughs> the face, the face did it all for me. There, he wasn't happy with you. There, he wasn't happy with you there, Mikey. <laughs> but um, I took one at um, West Brom. So, like, I took one in a like a full members' cup against Chelsea. And like, say, so basically, I was seventeen, like just eighteen year old. So, I took one in that at uh, the Hawthorns, uh, and I scored that one. And then I've come here, and Bully didn't really fancy it. When I was, which I was surprised at, because usually anything in the box that he wants the ball to score goals, uh, and he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to take it. So I said, "I'll take it." So look, I don't mind taking it. And it just went from there, and look, and from then on, I didn't, re- I didn't miss. And like I said, I just had something in my mind. That's what I'm doing. That's where it's going. I don't care if the keeper's going there. If I hit it there, he's not stopping it. And and the majority of the times it's happened. But did you ever have like anyone who came in and was like, I want, I fancy him. No. Let me have one, Tom. No, I was always the penalty taker when I was here. I what about you, like in training? Surely, like lads will I, be. I'll tell you, I never practiced him in training though. I so, said, look, I always just, I, all I did was, I knew what I was doing. I knew if I hit it, how I wanted to do. And again, the majority of the times I did, the keeper is not going to get it. Nine times out, keeper's right, side netting, swinging away from him. The majority of them was, and you you did have you did miss at some point. I or? missed uh, one in the fourth division. Um, How did I, you feel after that? Though that's uh, I was all right. So look, because I look, say he's, he was a good save. To be fair, I'm saying that to him. <laughs> he's a good save. The first one, he was in the fourth division. So, um, and then the second one was Stoke here, uh, which we drew one each. Yeah, I sent the keeper the wrong way, but missed the goal. Uh, and the other one was Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup here. Uh, where I hit the crossbar and we was 3-0 down on penalties and yeah. ended up winning the game brilliant yeah, yeah. so <laughs> not as if I can remember all the misses but yeah, yeah so I remember the three misses that I had but you scored some big ones mm. I mean you scored uh, uh, in, you scored against the Albion scored a penalty can't get no bigger a, than a that 2-0 game. win there you go. at Molyneux um, you scored two pens in the same game against Port Vale in one season 
which I think was 94-95, which was uh, your best season for goal scoring. You got nine. Yeah, well, so I was after that number 10, so I kept telling Bully, every chance you get, go go down, give me a chance, yeah. double figures. <laughs> but uh, there's no chances there. Not with him. <laughs> um, and then you scored one in a, a, a game which I was watching on YouTube earlier because if you try and search for Andy Thompson goals, there isn't a lot that comes up. But on YouTube is that famous 3-2 win over Blues, which is the one where Blues get a penalty from Kevin Francis falling over and then you go back down the other end and there's a handball and you go and absolutely smash it. Yes, um, that, they're the games that you want to you want to win, doesn't it? So, like your local derby games as well. Um, but again, so look, I, I was just comfortable with taking them. So I don't know what it was that that it, when I took them, it was just that I knew where it was going. I knew if I'd done it properly that I'd score. But they're the ones that you remember is the, the the local derby games that that get you the victories. Did you just not shoot? Other times, because I was looking honestly, I was looking through the record books, and there is a couple of seasons where you don't score apart from penalties. Yeah, but again, so it's had a couple of shots <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> but uh, but um, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, because like, you know, because you clearly could score. Yeah, so because I scored a couple of goals as well. Um, I've been got two goals with headed goals in a week here, uh, and again, so like I had the Ipswich game, FA Cup, a free kick. I scored. See, you ain't finding these, are you? <laughs> no, no I see, there's I mean. no records of these. <laughs> but, uh, just on, on, on what, what Mikey said there, uh, 91, 92 season, 92, 93, you never played as many games. So as, as, as compared to the other ones, your 19 appearances and then 21 the following season, was there injuries or was there a reason? And then if so, what, what, how, how, did you, how did you feel in that, well, in that the, moment? Well, the 91, 93 season, well, between that spell, my contract was up. Um, and Graham Salak off me a contract I turned it down um, right, okay. and then I never really played up till then unfortunately Graham uh, got the sack in the November I think it was Graham Taylor then come in mm-hmm. then I ended up playing and then, okay. I, and then I ended up getting I think that year I got player of the year then yeah. in 93-94 uh, and then it, it, things just changed but say it was just the, at the end of the day so like things happen things uh, move on and I was out of contract and I didn't play the majority you of the game. You seem quite accepting of that, though, because that I think even now that happens today, but I guess because of the whole media, it can't really, you know, because yeah. obviously you're an important figure of the squad. It's important that you play every week, but you're not signing the contract, so the club, yeah. the manager, forces the hand and says, you know what, I'm not going to play you then. Yeah, so, uh, well, I didn't go on pre-season either. I didn't go pre-season how does that? How does that? Because it's stopping you from doing what you love doing. Yeah, it was. So look, and it, again, so look, he'd been at the club for, for so long, and then uh, all of a sudden... And look, so you're in a squad where you think, oh, well, I'm a, I'm at Wolves, I'm playing well there. I just want the opportunity to carry on playing because I was at a decent age as well, yeah. mid-20s. Um, and it, and it, did, it was hard because like, I think at the time my wife was expecting as well or we just had a, uh, a child. So it was uh, it was difficult from one being in here not playing then also as well things at home with all the things going on yeah, around course, that as well. So it was difficult, but um, again... It just makes you and drives you on. So, like, like the initial thing when I come here about West Brom coming to Wolves, uh, and people not underestimate. Well, people underestimating you, mm-hmm. and you want to push on. And so, like, at the end of the day, I wanted to prove people that are wrong by saying I still deserve to be here. Yeah, and that's what it was. So, like, yeah. once I had an opportunity, then I got back into it, and um, I had a new contract with Graham Taylor at the time, 
uh, and it, everything else just seemed to pick up again. Again, it's you just can't get yourself down. And players don't get left out. If you start sulking, the only person it's going to affect is yourself. And the biggest thing that I thought about is. I've just got to get on with it. I've just got to try and do it for myself. And that's what I did in the end. Was there other players in that group that, that kind of helped, they understood what was going on and they helped you get through it as well? Because there was some great characters, wasn't there? Yeah, a little bit. So, like, um, you're always going to talk to your teammates about things and all that. So, like, um, so I'm, you know, I'm very close with Bully. So, like, I used to speak to Bully and, and Bully was going, I don't understand what's going on and various other elements of it. So, I used to speak to other players. And look, it's part and parcel of football. Mm-hmm. So, like, managers make decisions. Yeah. It's about opinions. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have the same one as me, unfortunately. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- these things are what happened. But it's it's the way you react from it. And that, that was what it... Yeah. Played of the season. Yeah. And you come in, back in, that's job done, isn't and it? And that's what it was. So, like, I wanted to prove that I deserve to be here. Um, unfortunately, we, that well, the next two or three years, we didn't get promotion into the Premier League with Wolves at the time. But it was just to making sure that I, I thought I deserved to be in in the squad and still deserved to be at the club. So what happened when you eventually left? Because you were still making a lot of appearances under Mark McGee. I mean, I know you didn't play in the second leg no. of the playoffs against Crystal Palace. You did play in the first. Yes, I did, yeah. There's been people who've come in before... Um, notably Don Goodman and Jeff Thomas, to be fair, who weren't massive fans of Mark McGee. No. Was that a, a, did that play a part in why you left? Because you were clearly still able to do it on the pitch. You were still featuring yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, I was as surprised, as as you just mentioned there, as anybody else that I wasn't playing in the second leg. He put Jeff Thomas at left-back. Uh, never give me a reason. Um, contract was up again uh, at the end of that year. Um, and I didn't see eye-to-eye with Mark. Um, probably for the most of that year, so like about one thing or another, about where I was playing and um, not playing. But uh, he was just uh, basically just said, look, we're not offering you a new contract. Uh, you're a free agent at the end of the year. So, looks again, it's opinions. Uh, but I just I kind of fell out with Mark a little bit towards the end. Um, again, didn't agree with the way that things were done, and. And again, so like you'd spoken to Jeff and Don, I'm sure they've mentioned little bits and pieces that I didn't get on with him as well. So it was, um, yeah, look, I was gutted when, I, when it come round to 97 when I was leaving. So I've been at the club for 11 years. But I was fortunate enough that I went to Tranmere where I absolutely loved. So like, like I said, I was devastated when I left here because it was my club. Yep. And to be told that you're not going to be offered a new contract, so I was still at a decent age as well. So it was, um, it, it was difficult, but say... So, Things happen for a reason, and say, so, look, I went to Tranmere uh, and enjoyed three years there. You say difficult, emotional, I guess. Yeah, yeah. oh, it was very. Eleven I, years. I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted that I was leaving, for for. I thought then not football reasons. I thought that he just fell out of me. I, th- I think that if he could have got rid of Bully at the time, I think that he might have got. I'm not saying he would have, but uh, at the end of the day, he was somebody we couldn't get rid of. But I'd been here a long time. And and he just felt like he was just saying, like, well, you've been here long enough, kind of thing. And that was the problem. Did you feel then that maybe there should have been more respect for the 11 years you'd given? Yeah. But look, say, <laughs> it's difficult in football, isn't it? Because like, managers are there to pick teams, to pick squads, uh, and to uh, get players who he thinks are going to win in games. Uh, and to be told that not going to offer you a contract, you can go at the end of the year. And kind of made it clear because I wasn't playing in the second leg. Here, so um, he played Jeff, which Jeff was <laughs> surprised at as well, being a central midfielder. But like, but that's uh, look, 
they all know grudges about it. So at the end of the day, say it's football. You just got to get on with it. Did you still have more to give to this football club? Yeah. So, well, I had three great years at Tramway. I absolutely had a great time. We got to the Worthington Cup final. Um, for a club like that, is absolutely brilliant. Um, and I went there with John Aldridge, who got on really well with. A couple of lads from here who I played with were there as well. Uh, Ned Kelly was there. Paul Cook was there as well. So they had a nucleus again of a, of a good squad, um, but it, yeah, it was diff- it was difficult so to to leave here and to go somewhere else, and it was even harder when I had to come and play my first game here against Wolves, because again, you never know how you're going to get treated or how the fans are going to be and everything else. But again, they were absolutely brilliant. Because when you look back, and you know, you were part of the team that won the fourth division, the third division. Played an awful lot of games in second division, championship division one, whatever it was called at the time. Um, but to be part of that group that came so close and yet so far, yeah, to promotion. I, I always remember the the Bolton, the Bolton one, where Paul McGinley's um, elbowed Dave Kelly, and we end up losing John McGinley. John McGinley, Dave, give me names, mixed up. But we, uh, but we, uh, we had an opportunity there to beat them, and. We did really well here. I think it was Jason McAteer got a goal just towards the end, which gave him a lifeline, really. We absolutely battered him here. It could have been 4 or 5 nil against Walton. And then we gone there. He should have been sent off. And he ends up scoring the two goals that knocked us out. So that was a hard one to, to, to bear with it as well. But look, that's the one regret that I've got that I didn't play in the Premiership with Wolves. So that was the one thing that I wanted to do. Um. You say it was an incredible 11 years yep. that you had and that is the one thing that, not just for you, but for a lot of people in that group that are around at that time. And people always talk about it being bully that missed out on playing in the Premier League and I think people maybe forget you in that as well for what you gave to the football club. And I, I know for a fact, having sat next to you at the games, that no one was prouder at seeing Wolves in the top division oh. than you have been in the last few where they years. should be. It's where they should be. Um, Nuno's done an absolutely fantastic job here with the two seasons that he's had. But um, again, this club's going up. They want success. Uh, they don't want to wait like any impatience. Uh, but look, you just got to get on with it, Salah. But it, it's it's a great place where the club needs to be in the Premiership. And I was gutted that I. Didn't get into there with it. You were fortunate enough to yeah, was, to do yeah. it. Yes, yeah. but um, it is. I'll tell you what, because the, the fans here absolutely love the club. Absolutely love it. Um, and you've not paid for a drink in about thirty years you? <laughs> around this around this place. <laughs> Just one year behind you, then is it? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but it is like honestly, genuinely, it's like when you see the kind of people's reactions to him. When we go to games and away games and stuff, like and it, it like he won't ever say it because he's ridiculously modest yep. at it. Because you don't like it, do you? You uh, like you you find it weird when people come up to you. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so it's because um, I say it's been a long time since I've left the club, but it's still nice to it's it's look. It's still nice that people recognise you. Still nice that people want to still chat to you. Mm-hmm. So look, I'll talk to anybody. I'll talk to anybody about anything um, about wolves or whatever or what you're doing. So and. That's where you've got to be. So, like, and I think that I am quite approachable, and that's the the biggest thing that I can say that I will 
talk to absolutely anybody apart from West Brom fans. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. But um, yeah, so look, it's it's one of those things, doesn't it? it goes with the territory kind of thing. So it's um, it's nice. It's, and it's, what did it mean to you when you went in the Hall of Fame? Because I call you the Hall of Famer every week. Oh, no. And yeah. it just kind of brushes off. But you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, look, I was very proud. So, look, uh, my two lads were here. Um, we were girlfriends as well. So, look, and it was, it was a great night for me. So, to actually be put into the Hall of Fame with the people who were in it. Um, and I think I'm just lucky that I've been put into it. I know people say, well, you've played long enough for the club and all that. But it, it was a very proud moment for me yeah. to be put into the Hall of Fame. The Old Gold Club with Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, oh, so close to getting him to cry then, Looms. I thought he was. Get, I thought you were going that way. I thought. I, I thought yeah. I was going to get him. I just there was got, a little tear in got, the eye. There was a little. He was well enough. There was a little tear in there. I just got the signal. What he does with his hands when he just wants me not to see it. That's what he does, and then he just I let him go. <laughs> I tried to do that with him on a match day, but it makes no sense. No. He's not paying any attention to me. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> genuinely, right? And I did write down here as a, a question that I was going to ask you because because um, you started working with me uh, when we were on Beacon. Yes, and it was kind of it was a weird thing in that um, uh, Robbie Dennison, who has been in on this podcast, kind of did it regularly. And uh, Deno had a, a falling out with the guy who ran the, the commentaries, which I won't go into on here. Tomo knows. Um, and so Matt Murray was doing it for quite a bit. And then I think Matt started getting opportunities with Sky and all sorts of stuff. And um, kind of I remember one day, like, we needed someone to do it. And it was like on the match day, I was at Molyneux. And we were like, who's around that can do it? And it was like, oh, yeah, Tomo's downstairs. Because you just came to the games. Yeah, I was, I was, I'll come to most of that. Well, near enough all the home games, yeah. That's and that how, was it. And yeah. from then on... The rest is history, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> but because it was never like you wanted to do commentary, I guess. No. I t- well, he's talking about being nervous. Where I was as nervous as hell like doing that. So like when you first come to me and went, oh, uh, can you come to the radio? I thought, went, what? Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And I was as nervous as anything because I hadn't done it before. I hadn't done anything like that before at all. What did you think that after obviously watching it? Because as you 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 come across amazing on radio and you you see it as as honest and it's I don't know it's like you, it's your your job's there to picture it to put that picture in uh, the listeners' uh, head, you know, and you do it very well. How did you feel? We is it something obviously you've got better? Yeah. But that first one, did you think? Yeah. When did you get the buzz for it? Yeah, I got the buzz for it, but also as well. What do I need to be saying? What do I? When do I need to say it? More importantly, if I can get a word in when he's talking on it, <laughs> you speak. Over. He knows when to be quiet. That's it. Uh, well, but that's what it was. So again, like so, and you do get better at it. And when Mike is talking, then all of a sudden, then you've got to summarise things as well. So it was. Um, I was nervous, but I, I did enjoy it. And I, I'd say, like, I'm, was it a few years now? Was it about three, four years? Uh, we've been working together longer than that. Is it longer than that? I imagine, yeah. Well, I mean, because we started off in Beacon and then kind of Beacon stopped and I moved to the the club and started doing it just for the club for a while. And kind of Tomo still had to go to games for Beacon and do updates. I hated it. I hated the updates. I'd rather do the live commentary. Because like they say, like, I was there on my own sometimes and I'm thinking, I haven't done it before. And so like, basically you're doing the updates and I'm thinking... All right then. So look, um, we're used to just saying it as as you see it. The updates that come to you every now and then. 
So I had to use a pen then, Michael, so write things down. <laughs> yeah. He's not that professional nowadays. <laughs> he, he rocks up. He's got his programme, which he puts in my bag for me to look after him, look after for him for safekeeping when he wants to go straight for a night out after the game. Um, and it's kind of in the recent years that um, they started kind of doing the phone-in. And it's, it's Talk to Tomo is the phone-in. And Tomo has to stand there for half an hour, 40 minutes after the game and talk to people and take calls. But it, it works. Yeah, it's been all right. So, like, um, the last two years have been great. So, like, with the calls, because uh, the majority of the time has been success, hasn't it? Uh, but, so, like, a couple of years ago when we weren't doing so well, that was when the, the interesting calls come in. Uh, people raging a little bit about <laughs> yeah. things and what are going on. But, again, it's... As you mentioned there, you say it as you see it, and and that's the thing that you got to do. Just what exactly. you believe, um, and what you think is as, as as a fan as well. That you're in the same boat as them. So look, you either agree with them or you disagree with what they're saying. And and again, so look, I haven't upset too many people, but um, but that's how it is. So look, it's just say it as I see it, and then just get on with it. Well, this is the thing. Then this is why I say you can tell how much of a fan he is. That kind of Tomo mentions it. Like back in the, a couple of years ago, like. There'd be sometimes where the first 15, 20 minutes of a game would be great because we'd be getting loads of messages in. And, you know, I mean, you've worked with me, like you've worked with us, you know what we're like. Like there's a lot of banter that goes on. And we try, because at the time, I always took the view that if the game wasn't that entertaining, we used to entertain ourselves, didn't we? That was it. That we had to be. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would you listen? Yeah. Why would you bother? Um, and then, like, after about 20 minutes, we probably concede the first. And then by, like, the time we were a couple down, like, he's in a grump next to me. And there's, like, there's, there's no, we're not having any fun after that. And, but then, like, it, for the last two years, it's just been completely different. And we had to, you know, we had to find ways of um, injecting other things, which is when the Tashback came in where there was a lot of people that used to get in contact and say if we won promotion would Tomo regrow his famous moustache <laughs> <laughs> he's shaking his head now still no just people <laughs> people that wanted it to come back oh, I, I wasn't one of them though so that's the problem but I don't know why you're so against having the moustache back because I didn't it, like it it's an iconic look though this is an iconic look yeah <laughs> I didn't like it I look at myself now. I showed somebody a picture yesterday. They said, "Oh, have you got a picture of when you play?" I went, "No." But I said, "Like," and they've gone up and they've got one. They said, "You had a moustache?" I went, "Yeah." I said, "It looks awful." They just started laughing. <laughs> and I think, "Oh, cheers." There we go. Then there's the evidence to back it up. <laughs> you must have some looms, some kind of embarrassing things from the past when you first started off. Yeah, I was a bit. Yeah, I went. I, I bleached my. Well, I don't even shave to be fair, but I had a little goat beard thing, and I, I used to bleach it. Sort of go like blonde gold when I had my golden braids. So uh, it's the, is it Magnum style, isn't it? The, the tash you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, at look. No, don't mess about, do you, Tomo? There you go. Yeah, no, no, the... Nineteen on there, mate. Yeah. I said nineteen. Uh, just the showing, I'm just showing them the pictures of uh, when you and Bully's. Uh, Even Bully's joined. got hair on that one. He has got hair, yeah, because um, <laughs> it's the famous one, right? This is this is brilliant. So there's the famous one of the ball that's kind of between the two of your heads. Well, I mean, it's on Bully's shoulder on the top of your head, obviously. Um, but like, 
and then you tried to recreate it a couple, a couple of years ago on the 30th anniversary and like the both of your face on the recreation is like what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> we we're on the pitch at Molyneux it was a game day I can't remember yeah. we were playing yeah that was, that was kind of a thought that was in my head yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> but like because you had a proper mullet back in the day as well it was in it was in mate in the 80s he was in. Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> but then, see, I, I've said this to Tomo before, Looms, right? There, there was a moment, like, because he's got his kind of permed hair and moustache and stuff. It was natural. Well, there was a moment where, like, you just had a haircut and then you've stayed exactly the same for the rest of the time. Like, I'm showing Looms a picture now. That is probably 93, 94 time. Um, and you, like, pretty much just didn't age from the rest of that time. You've got a bit greyer. But you're like exactly the same. Let's have a look at that one. So look at Since that. Since then, that. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, not much apart from the, like you say, the grey hair. Yeah, you got clean cut. <laughs> clean cut, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> <Funny> your time. <laughs> <laughs> had to go, mate. Had to go. It's, but it's like you you were a boy, and then suddenly you had a haircut. You were a man, and you were a man, Tomo, from the rest of the time. Yeah, right? so that was it. Needed a change, Michael. Needed a change. Had to go. Both the hair and the moustache. Uh, moustache is going to come back at some point. We've got to talk about the PE teacher now. Yeah. So towards the end of your career, you went to you went back to university. Yeah. It's uh, so, a journey I've experienced myself. How how difficult was that? The whole like, academic side and getting into that mindset again. I was coming to the end of my career at um, Shrewsbury. Um, I'd had a couple of calf injuries and I was starting to think about what I was going to do after. Um, I had no idea. Uh, and just for myself, I went back to Knight College and did maths and English GCSE. Um, I did that. I've been out of education for 20-odd years and really enjoyed it. So I went back and uh, got my GCSE English and maths, as I said. Then I did like an access course at the same college on a night again after um, training and things. And it was like the equivalent to two A-levels. Now, once I started doing that... I was starting to think about what what am I going to do if I want to be involved in sport in some capacity because I was doing a bit of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working with Telford Youth Team because I was there for about five, six years. Uh, did a bit of coaching here at Wolves as well. Um, but I just thought, well, what do I want to do full-time, basically? I've got to do something. Um, and then I went and did a PE degree at Wolverhampton Uni for three years full-time. So, it, look... I enjoyed it. So I left school with absolutely nothing because I went straight into football. I was 13 when I joined West Brom. From 16, went straight into an apprenticeship. But um, I just thought I needed to do something, but I wanted to do something sporty. Yeah. Um, and then I enjoyed doing the studying, did the degree, uh, and then I started to decide what I was going to do with the degree. Yeah. And, and that was three years full-time as well? Three so years. That, so what, what were you doing on the side of that then? Was I was that... Do, just doing some coaching, so like we tell for youth team, so I was working with them for a bit. Unbelievable. Um, but I was the degree was three years full-time, so when I was doing it, so then I did another year teacher training, where it was in another school, Wolverhampton School, which was interesting. But um, So it took, me, it took me six years in total to get qualified as a teacher, and then I applied for a job where I am now. Um, it's over by Derby, so it's what, about 40 minutes from where I live, so enough away from the school and I got the job so and right. I've been there ever since so I've been there was it 11 years Great. so yeah Do the kids know yeah, yeah look the, the, I don't think anybody knew to start off with because I never told anybody so the, the, the staff knew 
who I was because I like because I say when I got the job, the PA staff had spoken to other people, but I never told any of the kids. And then this, it started to come out from a couple of the teachers, and then they started googling it, and then finding out, and then the, they did find out and said, "Oh, you do you pay for the wolves and all that?" And I went, "Yeah." And I said, "Like," oh, and then I cut the conversation. And that was it then. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, so rather than learning, there was rather to be talking about what was happening with the football. So to start off with, I never said anything to anybody. So like, um, and and then basically it just got filtered down a little bit from the teachers and various other people. Because genuine, because I know I take the Mickey out of you about you know playing in black and white and all this kind of stuff. But like, genuinely now you are teaching kids who weren't born when you were playing. Yeah, there's that teach- weird. There's teachers there, mate, who weren't born. Right? <laughs> That's guy's a character. He's yeah. Absolute no, character. but he's just like, ah, come on. I want a bit more from you, Tom. <laughs> no, but do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's weird, isn't it? Like, if you think of like, um, you like, uh, there's people around. Like, when you look at the kids coming through, like I look at Morgan Gibbs White now. And, like, Morgan Gibbs White was born, like, year 2000 or something. Like, he wasn't even around when, like, the Premier League started. I don't know where you found this when you've got older. Like, people aren't aware of... He's coming for me, though. I was going to say, yeah. Like, no, but you know what I mean? Like, like when you talk to your kids and stuff and they aren't aware of certain things, is that just just a thing about age? That's it. I'm 41 in August. It's crazy. I can't... Where does the time go? You're a a long time retired, aren't you? Yeah, it is. So, like, um... Well, I'm 51 now, so it's um, it's a bit longer for me. But um, look, it, it soon flies by. You can't yeah. believe where all the time's gone from when you're not playing. So look, um, yeah. But so look, I had a great time. I, I went, I went to go on about money and stuff like that. That's that's the one question they always ask: how much we are on. And like never yeah. enough. I say, I always say that. Enough. Enough. So it's uh, but um, look, say things change and everything else, and the, and they're still all interested in the football side of it and, and it is nice that again asking about questions about it and I will at certain times talk to them about it if they're asking me but like uh, again I don't really speak that much to them about it I was to take penalties I'd take penalties no I've never took one at the school <laughs> yeah, your school team must be pretty good though on penalties we've got we've got a few good teams so like um, we run a team for each year group so I'm in charge of the football got dragged into that one but um yeah, and we do all right as a school. With with I think two of the teams won the league. Uh, the other two lost in the playoffs to win the league. So we've run four teams. So they've done all right. They've done okay. They've done okay. So look out, Nuno. Tommy wants the job. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's doing a good enough job himself. He's doing a good job himself. Right, let's finish off with the rundown. Uh, this is what we do to every player who comes in on the old Gold Club. Um, Yep, I'll go straight in. Uh, best player that you played with at Wolves? Oh, I've got to. I'm going to have to say Steve Bull with what he did, what he achieved. Uh, probably talent-wise, Cookie was one of the one of the best players I played with as well here. Yeah. So, but there's there was loads of different people that we played with. Say who was effective in what they did, but you can't look beyond what Bully did for the club and yep. the amount of goals that he scored. Yeah, spot on. Uh, worst trainer at the club? They're oh. sitting on the fence, just throw someone straight under the bus. Paul Blades. Oh, Paul Blades, yeah. He was a nightmare. He moaned for fun. <laughs> he's, 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 he's a decent player. He's a good player, sorry. He's a good player. He was quick. He read the game well. But the problem was in training, he was at the back all the time, moaning about anything. If he had to move, he was moaning. Right. He was unbelievable. So well, that answers my next question, biggest moaner. Oh, he was him. <laughs> no doubt. He used to moan about everything. 
Do you notice the way that he downgraded him from decent just to good? <laughs> he went in decent first and then went, actually, actually yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, <laughs> he was the moaning. He was the moaning. He, he did well, Blades, for sake. He moaned for fun. Yeah, or he said, and the lads at the back are now debating whether decent is better than, what? good's better than decent. We'll have, to, we'll have to work it out. We'll have to work it out, mate. <laughs> keep, keep I think Tomo meant to downgrade him. That's no, why I'm saying no, that. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't stop don't, throwing don't ideas out, yeah. Listen to him. Don't I'm not, listen to I'm him. not listening to him. Uh, again, this one's probably straightforward. Who was your best friend? at Wolves there we go again but um, Bully was best friend but Salka Keith Downing who's done the podcast with yep. as well Salka he's one of my good friends I still keep in touch with him steadily as well but you've got to say Bully Salka together all the time when we come here the best and worst dress oh the worst one was Laurie Madden he had a nightmare the one day he come in all in yellow <laughs> And he thought it looked good. And that was the problem. We absolutely hammered him. He looked like Banana Man. <laughs> um, and the best, oh, would, with all his uh, bling, John DeWolf, he used yeah, to come in. Oh, he was dolled up to the eyeballs. He was, his his long hair, yeah, his long hair, yeah. yeah. His jewellery. He used to, uh, he, he was funny. So, like, he used to say, like, me not trained too hard, too hard train. We were doing running laps around the pitch, and he'd just go around the centre circle <laughs> and just say, like, that. He still had his uh, his watch on, his earrings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a footballer, not a runner. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Who was the funniest player that you played with? Oh, the one who was a practical jokes. Um, there's a lad when I first come here, isn't it? Uh, David Barnes, Digger Barnes, when I first come. He was. Uh, he used to write things. He used to write poems and put them on the wall about people, about himself, insulting himself. And then he'd come in and say, "Who's put this up?" Like he'd paid. Like, <laughs> who's put this? Who's put this up? It's like a new. Oh. And another lad as well, Shane Wesley. He was an absolute maniac. He, he, he was. So there was a couple, but uh, uh, David Barnes when I first come here, Shane Wesley was just as bad as him. He'd do absolutely anything. <laughs> uh, best manager you worked for? Oh. I've got to say Graham Turner, um, but also as well, I worked with Graham Taylor just after he he, he got the uh, unfortunate sacking from England, yeah. but he was he was great. He's the one who set up everything with the, the club, the academy and everything else as well. Uh, and it was just a shame that he didn't get us up because yeah. I think that if he'd given time, I think he would have. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What was the best goal that you scored? Oh. It's got to be the, the FA Cup uh, against Ipswich free kick where we won two one. Um, like I say, Mikey said about me penalties, but uh, that is a free kick. Even I can't believe you never found that one. I I, I don't know whether there's the footage around. Oh, that was in colour as well. So like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best game that you were involved in. Oh, for the occasion, I, would, I was going to have to say the Sherpa van with everything right, that yeah. went on with surrounding that. Um, it was just unbelievable when you walked out the the noise levels, uh, and and most of all, so look, you've you've won the game as well. So, with everything that went on with the day, the occasion, uh, and the result, which just topped it off for me. Brilliant. And then this one, yeah. What is uh, what was your proudest moment uh, at Wolves? <sighs> I would say like the first time we stepped out at Wembley for the Sherpa van, but also as well winning the two lower division uh, leagues as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically getting the club up to where it needed to be or close to where it needed to be. So I'd say the two leagues and the Sherpa van. Okay. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, one final thing. If I'm Wolves, not growing the moustache back. If Wolves get into Europe, will you grow the moustache? No. 
Why? Like that's a big step. That what is getting into your? Oh, right? I'm always talking about the moustache, right? So see if if they if they if they do, you shave that beard off. If he grows his moustache back, I'll shave the beard Which off. You'll go smooth. I mean smooth. Yeah, I haven't uh, gone smooth for years. That sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? Probably should leave it there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Old Gold Club. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.